Welcome in to this week's recruiting breakdown. Uh, my name is Jerry Hamilton, joined by Justin Wells of Inside Texas. And on three, we'll be joined in a few minutes also by Bobby Burton, who will come stop through on the recruiting breakdown to talk a little bit about some team information that he posted on Inside Texas this morning. If you're not a member of Inside Texas, jump on over. Uh, we got specials running all throughout the uh, start of the football season. Um, before we get going, Justin, obviously we're going to hit on Colin Simmons. We're going to go through all the top targets remaining. I know, Justin, I know we uh, that's a tough one. We're going to start with Colin. Uh, but I just want to take a second, uh, first of all, to thank uh, the sponsor of the recruiting breakdown. That's Chase Yarborough of Goosehead Insurance. Uh, there are hundreds of insurance providers out there to choose from, but Chase and his team have vetted the very best. They select only insurance companies that deserve your business for home, auto, life, flood, and umbrella policies. With rates continuing to be on the rise across the state of Texas, why not make one phone call and allow Chase to shop for you? Gooseheads, the largest independent brokerage in the state of Texas. Give Chase a call at 325-261-7127 or shoot him an email, chase.yarborough.goosehead.com. Thank you again to Chase Yarborough of goosehead.com for being uh, Goosehead Insurance for being the uh, sponsor of the recruiting breakdown. All right, Justin, we'll jump right into it. We're a couple of days away from Thursday. Uh, Colin Simmons will commit uh, Thursday live on the On3 YouTube channel. Uh, I think they're, it, it was originally scheduled for two. I think they're going to change it up. I think Caden Durham may end up committing first. Colin maybe later, so they may flip those times. It may be two thirty. We're we're not sure. That's still kind of in the planning stages at Duncanville High School. Um, there were some rumors. I want to get one thing out of the way. There were some rumors that maybe Decorey and Moore was going to announce it. We've been told by multiple people Decorey and Moore is not announcing on August tenth. Decorey and Moore, the five star junior wide receiver at Duncanville. That's Texas, LSU, USC's coming on. That's really the three teams you hear most. Uh, Justin, but let's get into Colin Simmons. Obviously, number one prospect in the state of Texas. Uh, Miami's a hat at the table. They're not going to be the pick. There's not going to be a shock the world moment. It's it's LSU or Texas. Um, what are your thoughts a couple of days out? And then I'll get into mine. Um, my thoughts are I, I'm a little surprised that he went the direction of August. And now we've been reporting that for a couple months now, but I really did think this would be a recruitment that goes like to decision day. I thought this would be like an early national signing day deal. Just knowing Colin, just knowing how he goes throughout the process. I think he hit a wall after the official visits. I think he thought, man, you know, I've seen, I've seen enough. I know what I like. And I think he's, he, he's the last two places I believe he's been is, Austin and Baton Rouge. So those are going to be the most, you know, prevalent on his mind. At this stage, Jerry, you know, it's a toss-up because both staffs have some confidence. Um, but at the end of the day, it, you know, no matter where he picks on Thursday, his recruitment's not over. If anything, it's really just in the middle of it. <laughs> there's, there's going to be so much more to this because I can see him popping up on campuses for the next – six or seven Saturdays in this For fall. Sure. Like I, I think Colin's going to continue to enjoy the process, but uh, Thursday's going to be big in my opinion. It's a toss up. Look, I, I've said I've been consistent in saying it and I still, I'm sticking with it. Colin knows where he wants to go. It's up to the other school to try to convince him, <laughs> you know I mean? And, and I think that, that that's kind of uh, where it's at. And look, you know, you ask, I, I started using this term 
a couple of years ago. But, you know, players ask, coaches ask players to play through the whistle. And we talk about recruiting through the whistle. And that's what LSU and Texas have to do in this recruitment. And like you said, that doesn't stop Thursday. That goes on until December. Um, because that that this is a recruit through the whistle prospect. There aren't many of those truly like that. Um, Colin is one of those. Look, I think I, I, I've broken this down before, and this is what I'll say. I think he's always liked LSU. I got that from the first time I ever talked to him at Duncanville, um, which we know that's Justin, you and I both made. I combined, we probably made 12 stops through there in the last two years, I would say. Easily. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe more counting basketball. Basketball. If you count basketball, yeah. Justin and I actually had a nice little uh, – we shot the ball in the Duncanville uh, gym one day. Um, but, look, I think he really likes LSU. I, I think, you know, if he breaks down and he makes the decision just based on where he wants to go, I think, I, I think LSU is probably on top. Um, I think recruitments are, are a lot more stressful than that. Uh, stressful for a prospect, stressful for a circle around them. Um, you know, Texas is all in it. Uh, they're in it to win it. Uh, LSU's in it to win it. And that creates a lot of stress on a kid and a family. Uh, so we'll see. We're 48 hours away, um, a little bit more than 48 hours away from Colin making his decision. But I agree with you. Look, if it goes LSU's way, Texas will keep swinging until these right. It goes Texas way. LSU will keep swinging until December because both schools know Shea Dixon came on with Bobby Burton and myself of uh, the Bengal Tiger, the LSU on three side. And he said the same thing. This is a uh, this. It's not a reservation. It's a commitment, but it, it, it really puts an X on your back. Whoever wins it. So we'll we'll see what happens. Look, I think I think Colin knows where he wants to go. And yeah. I've said that. And. Now it's up to the other team to try to create that hesitation, whether that's with the family or the kids. So we'll see how that plays out um, on Thursday. Justin, uh, moving on next, I want to hit on Ryan Wingo uh, because you and I kind of co-said, we kind of said, okay, we went back and forth on text. Um, Ryan Wingo is expected on campus this year. Of course, if his timeline, and that's the five-star receiver, from St. Louis, um, if his timeline continues on to December, which you and I both feel like that's a maybe, yeah, um, he's going to be on campuses in September. Uh, so we expect him back in Austin in September. Wyoming, September seventeenth, possible. Uh, we know Texas is working to get a lot of guys in um, on September thirtieth for the Kansas game. Uh, so what are what's the latest you're hearing on Ryan Wingo and those visit possibilities? Yeah, I caught up with Ryan yesterday and his head coach, uh, Adam Cruz, out of East St. Louis University. Um, yeah, Ryan was, you know, you know, Ryan's going the distance. He's like Rocky. I mean, this dude wants to go to December 20th. That's his that's his M.O. right now. And one of the reasons he wants to wait is because he wants to take all these trips. He was always going to get on the road. And yeah. He's going to be ahead of game, I swear, every Saturday in the fall if, if he's allowed to. Ryan loves this kind of stuff. And so he, he had mentioned to me, you know, like a month ago that, yeah, Texas is a place he'll visit in the fall. He wasn't specific about any games other than he de definitely wanted to see Texas OU in Dallas. So I think he's going to maybe try to hit that one as well. But yesterday you had mentioned, um, you know, he had mentioned possibly setting up a trip for, for Texas against Wyoming. 
He said nothing's set in stone yet. Uh, his coach and his dad are supposed to get together this week and kind of line out exactly where he's going to go uh, th- this fall. But uh, Ryan said, yeah, you know, nothing's set in stone, but, you know, I- I'm looking at setting something up for the Wyoming game. And, and, and that makes sense because Ryan just came off of three trips at the very last of July. Uh, he's kind of now he's in the middle of camp. And so he's focused on that. He, he, he's going he, he's he's in that position and that mindset. Become September, he's going to be on the road. Don't be surprised if he hits a game in Missouri. Don't be surprised if he hits a game in Tennessee. And really don't be surprised if he shows up in, in, in Austin week three for their, uh, when they host Wyoming. Yep, exactly right. Um, and, and I think right now, Justin, Tennessee, Texas, Missouri, you know, look, if williams Nuwanary goes Missouri's way over Oklahoma, then Missouri has a little mo, right? They got a little mo. Um, I think those are the three right now. I think A&M's right, you know, probably fourth. Then you got Michigan and Georgia, um, you know, so we'll see We'll see on that. I know Missouri, you know, look, we talk about how schools apply that pressure. And yeah. recruitment to get, look, you can go back to Doriel Green Beckham. There was so much pressure to stay home and go to Missouri in that recruitment. And I remember that clearly because Texas was in that one and Arkansas was in that one, but there was so much pressure on him to stay home. We talk about, you know, the pressure that Colin Simmons is feeling. If he's leaning LSU, there's a ton of pressure at that point from the in-state school. Um, yes. Kids in Louisiana face that. We're going to get into dominant McKinley. If they look like they're leaving the state, the pressure applied to those kids is great especially when you're at a state that doesn't produce as many guys. There's more of a pressure on those staffs to keep those guys home. Uh, so we'll see uh, what happens uh, with Ryan Wingo. Uh, moving on, Justin, you're going to be hitting the road after this. And by the way, we're uh, UT boy first. We're going to hit UT boy super chat. John Tay Cook got a lot of praise from Steve Sarkeesian yesterday. We're going to address that um, when Bobby Burton comes on, talks a little team. Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, talked about Jonte at length in his press conference after practice yesterday um, as a guy that, and I think this is a point for Sark, the five-star guys that are coming in, culture is really important to Texas right now with what they're building. It's so important that the five-star guys come in and they work not like a guy that's been ranked a five-star player and expects things given to them. That's what happened with Kelvin Banks. Yes, that's what happened with Kelvin Banks. Uh, that's what's happening with John Tay Cook. He is putting in the work. He's coachable. He wants to learn. Um, he's doing all those right things, all those things that Kelvin Banks did a year ago that him and Anthony Hill are doing now. So that is very important. I think Steve Sarkeesian went out of his way to mention that yesterday because all those highly ranked kids they're recruiting, they want him to come in and work like they're ranked the three-star player with a chip on their shoulder. And that's the hardest thing transitioning from a coach's recruiting these guys. We call it de-recruiting. Yes. And getting them on campus and playing. Uh, so that's, that's. Players don't know about that, Jerry. Yeah. yeah. They don't know. They, they learn. But they don't know. They don't know. They don't know. Um, so Justin, we're going to move on here. Kobe Black. Uh, I believe when we get off this live stream, you're going to be uh, jumping in the, uh, the Maserati and headed out to uh, uh, Waco to see uh, Kobe Black. Uh, kind of give it the latest on Kobe Black's recruitment. Again, a guy who could decide before his senior year, could decide a few weeks into his senior year. That's it. He could just, you, you, you summarized it. Uh, it's Texas or Texas AM, I feel like at this stage. 
But also Kobe wants to kind of enjoy the process more, I feel like. On one hand, his, he's got family and, and, and people telling, you know, suggesting, look, if you want to go ahead and get this out of the way and enjoy your senior year, you're going to enroll early. You can enjoy the last five months of, of, of high school. And, and he's considering that. But I, I'm telling you, this kid really enjoys the process. Do I think he's going to LSU or Alabama? No. But do does he want to take visits and see those games in the fall? Yes. If you're a, a college prospect, those are the places you want to see on Saturday nights. Death Valley at night is crazy. And so, of course, he wants to take these trips. If he were to spit out a decision before the season, I don't think those trips happen. And so that's what's going to go back and forth right now. That's what's going to be – that's what's kind of what, what we want to go over there. And that's one reason I'm going to see him today, to kind of figure out exactly where he's going to be. I will be able to – I can tell you he's going to be dropping a top five here really quick. And uh, I feel strongly, obviously, that Texas is going to be uh, in the mix. And so kind of want to get a little background on that as well and kind of, you know, what he's looking for in his senior year. And he's more of a leader now because his teammate – uh, Jelani McDonald is playing in Austin right now. And so Kobe's kind of taking on a new leadership role. And so it's going to be fun to catch up with him and kind of see where uh, pick his brain and see where he is right now. Again, I'm Jerry Hamilton joined by Justin Wells, both of inside Texas and on three, Bobby Burton will be joining us here in a few minutes. Talk a little bit of team as well. Uh, I'm going to move on five-star, another five-star Dominic McKinley. I mean, it's five-star Tuesday, right? Uh, we're going to get some four-star guys, too, who are very talented. Uh, Dominant McKinley, um, we have been reporting at Inside Texas, whether it's myself or Sam Spiegelman on 3 National, that yeah. a decision was coming. That timeline was moving up. It was going to happen in sometime in August or before his first game of the season, which is September 1st. It uh, was put out yesterday that September 1st is when Dominant McKinley will announce, which is kind of what we've been hearing behind the scenes. We were waiting for them to kind of finalize that. Um and that'll be interesting. So that'll be probably before his first game or that before that September game, a September one game. And look, everything I'm hearing is the same as when um, the June official visits ended were, were that Oklahoma and Texas were the top two out of those official visits that A&M was third of that group. That doesn't mean the third team can't win it. I'm just saying where it was coming out of the June yeah. official visits. Um, and then the question was going to be starting July. Was he was Dominic going to be on campus at LSU that last weekend in July? And he was there Friday with Darius McKinley, his brother, one of the top 2026s 20, in the state and maybe the country. We, those guys still have to develop, but he has offers from Texas, LSU, Oklahoma, everybody, um, AM, Miami, Ohio State, all of them. And then his mom was on campus as well Friday. Uh, she's 24 years in education, I believe, starting the 24th year. A, teach, a former teacher who's now over a lot of teachers in the Lafayette area in, in that parish. Um, I've not heard anything really different. LSU obviously made up some ground, as you would expect with the visit. This recruitment is really interesting to me because it comes simply could come down to Dominic just wanting to get out of the state and do something different. Kids in Texas want to get out of state and do something different. DeAndre Robbins wanted to get out of the state and do something different. It happens, right? If that's get ends up being the case, then LSU's kind of okay. They'll fight for it till December, but you don't stop recruiting guys that talented. But then you get down to more of the Texas Oklahoma, and I'm not going to discount AM, but let, let's talk about the Texas Oklahoma part. 
Okay. Yeah. But I was going to say A&M is a factor, but I'm not, I don't think they're in the UT Texas uh, Oklahoma right. category. But, right. but they they'd be, they'd be winning. They would be winning from behind late on that. Yes. Is what they'd yes. be doing. So Texas has what they have going for them is the academic football combination. I think that's popular with the mom, popular with the kid, and it's still a drive away from Lafayette. So it, while he would get away from for college, he would also still be close enough to where mom could jump in the car with Darius and go, just jump in the car and go see him. Then there's Oklahoma. I think he connects with Todd Bates. Um, I, I think there's a, a couple of reasons why. And I think Bo Davis does a great job with this recruitment. Um, I, I think there's a couple of things outside of football that Oklahoma is really trying to work uh, on Dominic McKinley's recruitment. Yeah. Um, and, you know, look, in, in Oklahoma is definitely in this cycle is selling. They need big time defensive linemen. And you it's not just they need them. They have to have them. And you have a huge opportunity to go in and play right away because Oklahoma lacks SEC size right now. They lack SEC size and they know it. Um and they have to get that. They have to get that changed in Norman, else they're going to be way behind uh, going into the SEC. Texas obviously has three defensive linemen committed. Um, they've addressed their, the size up front with Alex January uh, and DeAndre Robinson. Alex January six four and a half three twenty. DeAndre Robinson six three and a half three fifteen. And right. after guys, Melvin Hills, the third guy who will gain weight over time. Uh, and Texas wanted four defensive linemen. For, uh, in this class, whether that's three high school, four high school, or three high school, and somebody out of the portal, if you can find another Trill Carter, who's going to be very good, by the way. Yes. Um, so that's kind of where it's at. So Dominic McKinley, TJ Lindsay. TJ Lindsay's announcing August 12th. I think that's going Auburn's way. That's I agree. Um, so I don't know if you have any thoughts on Dominic McKinley recruitment, anything to add um, from your standpoint. No, I, I, I like putting him in the Wardell Mack category. And that's, you know, Texas went into Louisiana last year and took two of the best players in the, in the state, Arch Manning and Derek Williams. Texas wants to do that again. And I and I feel like they have some confidence. I feel like, they're you know, there's a little momentum there with those two guys, especially with McKinley, I think. And, and also with Wardell Mack, I think Texas has put themselves in a great position. And so at this stage – yeah, like I said, A&M has kind of been hanging around the rim with McKinley. I know that they've been pushing as well, and plus they've had a couple classes of, of just really stocked D-linemen, and I think that kind of appeals. They see Miles Garrett, and they understand, hey, you know, they, 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 they relate to that. But right now, I love that he's got a date because yes. we knew it was going to happen at some point before his senior season. Now we have a date for that. Now we have something to set up. It might turn into an old Texas OU Red River shootout, but you can't discount AM and you damn sure can't discount LSU at the last minute. Yeah. Uh, before we get to Wardell Mack, that was a perfect segue a little early. We're going to bring in Bobby Burton, I believe. Uh oh. Yep. 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 Bring in Bobby. There goes the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, there it is. <laughs> Thanks, Justin. I appreciate that, man. <laughs> uh, well, so we have East Texas covered, we have Houston covered, and we have Franklin, Tennessee covered. So uh, we're going to have to get Roy Williams from Odessa on or something, get a little West Texas feel at, this, at, at some point here. Bobby, uh, you put out a little report this morning on Inside Texas, uh, some team notes. Um, why don't you start with Jade Barron, and then we'll get to maybe a little edge talk, which I think is a position that's coming on a little bit. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jade Barron has been, uh, ha- you know, we've made a big deal about this and, and uh, the health of the Texas football team has been uh, excellent overall. Uh, learned yesterday that Jade Barron has been uh, bothered by a lingering knee issue. He's had it checked out. It is negative. So there's no major structural damage or anything, guys. Uh, but they are playing it by ear a little bit. He's a little gimpy. Uh, but it's not something that should uh, prohibit him from playing. Uh, what that means, in effect, is Jalen Gilbo, Austin Jordan, even Jelani McDonald now uh, are seeing more time at the star position in practice. Uh, that's been part of it. Uh, and so you get a, a little bit of both uh, of that. Obviously, you're going to hold him out, uh, and uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, I, that that's probably the major news from an – are the only major news that we know of at this point from an injury perspective. And to me, what that means and what I was told is we're healthy. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, you have a guy that's gimpy. That's football. You have right. a guy that's out for a while. That's a different story. Then you have to go to the DL, you know? So it's, it's a little bit different. So that's really hey, good. Let's talk about one of the points I think of emphasis Steve Sarkeesian has made in this staff is there's a difference between pressuring the quarterback and getting the quarterback on the ground. Yes. Okay. And that's been a point of emphasis. You can tell the way Sark speaking, um, Kwiatkowski in his PC. We've talked about Baron Sorrell a lot, right? He's We expect him to have a quality junior year, keep improving. He's bigger, stronger, retaining his quickness. Let's talk about Ethan Burke, Bobby, because Ethan Burke is still probably a year away from being really good against the run, but he has the length and athletic ability I actually saw on a lacrosse field, which I never thought I'd do in recruiting, by the way, guys. But <laughs> that he can he can help with that pass rush because if he brings in an element of pass rush, it helps open up everybody else. Yeah. So what we're hearing from behind the scenes, and I wrote this, this wrote this this morning on InsideTexas.com. Um, he's replacing Ovio Gufu from a year ago, right? Yeah. Uh, they are very different players. Um, Ovi is a mature, older, upperclassman guy, never had a lot of get off, like get up the field quick. I think that from hearing, from talking to sources inside the program, they expect a better pass rush in 2023. In primarily because, or one of the reasons why is Ethan Burke and the ability to push up field quicker. Like he's more sudden, if that makes sense, without actually getting out of the play. And that creates more space because the tackle has to kick out sooner in pass protection. And it makes the guard kick out a little further, a little quicker. And all of a sudden, defensive tackles like Alfred Collins, who had a big night on Saturday night, get more space to operate. A a linebacker like David Benda uh, coming from the weak side or Jalen Ford have more space to operate between that guard and tackle. And all of a sudden, it's a, almost like a crescendo effect, right? Where one one guy affects another across the board. What was pointed out to me was exactly what I mentioned in the, in the article, is that what does this mean for the run game? Because Ovi got pretty good against the run game late in the year. Now, if they get started, start getting run on, Justice Finkley's available. Um, but after that, where do they go? Right. Because Baron Sorrell's he, he's the do it all guy for that team. Right. Um, he, he, he's not a great pass rusher. He's not the greatest run defender, but he's pretty darn good at both. Right. And so 
who plays opposite him, depending on what the other team's trying to do. But they do uh, early early signs from practices have been a much improved pass rush in part because of what uh, what Ethan Burke is doing on that opposite side from these guys. So uh, I, I I like hearing that uh, because guys, that's to your point about getting guys on the ground, Justin and Jerry, that that's such a big deal. And it was one of Pete Kwiatkowski's four primary goals heading into this season. Bobby, I like the I like the fact that that also talk about edge that Anthony Hill has a package. He has a defensive package now, and he's up to two thirty five. And so at two hundred thirty five pounds, this is going to be a guy that's like we said, Burke. Those guys, Sorrell, those are going to be your dudes up front early on, obviously. But if people want to ask about Anthony Hill, they have already put together a package uh, for him on the edge, and he's already up to 235. Just guys, just get ready to smile when you see when you see number zero on the field. There's a lot of excitement around around there, guys. That, there really is. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian mentions him in almost every – I mean, I see UT Boy on here. He mentions him and Jontae Cook in every practice availability. I mean, just – just to be clear, I mean, he has mentioned them in every single one. And so uh, that that is not Steve Sarkeesian's way. He doesn't go out of his way to mention people. He just, I mean, he's pretty, I think, I think he is, what you see is what you get a lot with Sark, guys. There's That's some my, transparency there. Yeah. I, and so if, if Jontae Cook's practiced well, he's going to say he is. If Alfred Collins ha- has had a good couple good practices, I mean, we talked about that on, over the weekend, we had heard Alfred Collins had a stud practice on Saturday. We came out on Monday morning and talked about it. And then two hours later, Steve Sarkeesian's talking about it. He, he's not – he doesn't play favorites like that. I, I, and I think people need to understand that. That being said, uh, I, I continue to be told that the wide receiver room on offense is the strength of the offense. Now, that doesn't mean that the, the quarterback room's not loaded – that they're not in really good shape along the offensive line, JT Sanders, et cetera. Uh, but the the wide receiver room is is it borders a little bit that's on the a pretty stark difference. Well, well and, and I think and I think <laughs> I think that's because of how much it's improved, right? There were how much that position's improved from a year ago, where after the Nayor injury, I mean, that was a pretty down day for everybody. I mean, because you knew, okay, that was the deep threat and the guy that could open up the field. That cost you wins. That cost you a couple wins last year, in my opinion. So now you're talking about A.D. Mitchell. You're talking about Worthy uh, in a better position uh, because of A.D. Mitchell. And you're talking about uh, Jordan Whittington back. Then you have Sanders at tight end, obviously. But you have Nayor coming back. But then you have two really, really good freshmen and Jonte Cook and DeAndre Moore, right? Casey Kane's done a lot of work with his body, his, his, his frame, his body, as Bobby uh, pointed out early on in practice day one of that media session. So the depth is so much better. It's young talent. It's old talent. It's experienced guys. I think that combination is just makes it maybe the most improved position on the team headed into this year. Oh, I no question. Yeah. Um, it, it's not only here's the issue. Not only is it better, it's got depth. Right. I mean, let's be clear. Um, um, that That would be one for me that and and I'll I'll take it a step further Jerry and Justin I don't think they're merely good like I don't think this is a good wide receiver room last year you could question whether or not it was a good wide receiver room when Isaiah Nayor went down 
because yes. Jordan Whittington yeah. just couldn't couldn't go over the top. Xavier After Worthy, Worthy and Whittington. Yeah. And so I'm going to tell you that there's a it's not a one step up. It's a quantum leap. If Texas, if Quinn Ewers can distribute the ball, which is exactly what Steve Sarkeesian said on in his presser yesterday, I need someone to distribute the ball. If he can distribute the ball, Texas is going to they're going to put some points up on people. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm there's no you can talk about who's the running back and all this other stuff. I they're going to score points, a lot of them. In my Bobby opinion. went Bobby went quantum leap on me, and now I'm envisioning Scott Bakula and necessary <laughs> roughness coming out of retirement, getting ready to play. But you're right, Bobby. It's that big of a jump, and it was off a cliff. After Worthy and Whittington, I mean, no disrespect to Casey Kane, but that was your next step. And Quinn Ewers getting back into the game, man, there just wasn't a whole lot of pe- pe- people to dance with. Now – He's got a room full of guys he can pick to be a partner. And I can't remember whether it was Jerry or – I can't remember whether it was Jerry or you or even Eric or Ian uh, that mentioned this about that. J.C. Sanders was relegated somewhat last year because when they went 12 personnel, it was also often Andre Carich, yeah, who was yeah. on the flip side. So they didn't really account for him in coverage. The other team did, right? And Correct. so my point is that – you get this, you know, com- combination effect. Look, I don't know what the end result was is going to be. Um, I'm still waiting to hear if Quinn Ewers is just elevating above ele- elevating. Uh, but uh, I'm telling you, the, the receiver group, if given the opportunity, if, if they can pass protect, if they can get the ball out to those guys, some teams are going to have a real problem with dealing with Texas. And, and I mean, real, real problem. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Uh, Dealing with Texas. I want to take a second again for our sponsor of the recruiting breakdown. That is Goosehead Insurance. Uh, Thank you to Chase Yarbrough of Goosehead Insurance for being a sponsor of uh, the recruiting breakdown weekly. Uh, There are hundreds of insurance providers out there to choose from. But Chase and his team have vetted the very best. They select only insurance companies that serve your business for home, auto, life, flood, and umbrella policies. With rates continuing to be on the rise across the state of Texas, why not make one phone call and allow Chase to shop for you? Goosehead's the largest independent brokerage in the state of Texas. Give Chase a call at 325-261-7127 or shoot him an email at chase.yarborough at goosehead.com. Again, thank you to Chase Yarborough of Goosehead Insurance for being uh, the sponsor of the recruiting breakdown. We had a couple of uh, super chats there. Dax, I believe, asked, what was – how long is the leash 
on Quinn Ewers if he can't hit the deep ball consistently. I'm, I'm going to, I want to say one thing and then I'll let that's you guys two, go ahead, Jerry, because that's a two way street. This is what I, this is what I've always said about last year. Quarterbacks have to put the ball in a catchable spot. Receivers have to make plays for quarterbacks too. Amen. It go, it's twofold here. And I think the thing that you're looking at is Quinn's going to be a better player than last year. No doubt about it. I talked to somebody who's seen him a lot and worked with him a lot in the offseason, and, and he was like, I'm just telling you. He said because he's 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 going at it with a pro mentality now. Um, we talked to Tom Luganbill of ESPN yesterday. That video's on the On Texas Football channel. He had some great thoughts on Quinn Ewers. We got into that taking on that leadership role and how it's just not a walk-in and you become the leader of a football program. It takes time. Um, so all that Jerry, Jerry, I thought it was interesting because Lugan Bill himself, what was interesting about that video is Lugan Bill drew from personal experience. He was a quarterback that transferred into Georgia Georgia Tech, just like, you know, Quinn, now Quinn had some more natural uh, ties to the state of Texas, but Lugan Bill drew those same comparisons to himself. And he said, it did not go well for me. (laughs) He was like, he was like, man. (laughs) <laughs> what are you going to say? Right, right. Yeah. I mean, Georgia Tech, I mean, had a returning starting quarterback and he got the nod over him eventually. But he said that was a tough locker room situation that first year. Right. And so now this is more of Quinn's team this year. So we'll see. But I think the work he's put in, Bobby mentioned, he, he looks quicker with his feet, which leads to if you're seeing something down the field, that split second quicker getting the ball out makes all the difference in the world and if your feet are quicker everything else is going to follow if your feet are a little slow then what you see with your eyes you're going to be like getting the ball to and it's game over a lot of times do you know why his feet are so important because he relies on different arm angles so much and if your feet aren't right that off platform stuff can be an error a wild pitch but if your feet are right and he's got that ability. I think that helps him a little bit direct, a little bit more with his accuracy as well. Yeah. And then we need to talk about, obviously we've talked about it, but A.D. Mitchell can go up and make a play. You saw it in the spring game. He's not going to have 10 one-handed catch touchdowns this year, but you saw a guy that can go up and make a play. Hey, he made plays in every college football playoff game he's ever been at. Yeah. A um, couple of national title games. So he is – making he's going to help make plays down the field and i think some of these freshmen uh receivers too when they get their chance can make tough catches uh, i think xavier worthy healthy not having a broken hand he's gonna and he's in his contract year there's a lot of motivation not getting bracket coverage every yeah. snap yep yep and then if you and if you can get jatavion in more spots where he's running down the field and a matchup that you like that gives another guy to make a play down the field for quinn uh, so I think that's going to be interesting to see. Um, we have another super chat uh, from J.A.R. Uh, hey, guys, born in Texas, raised in Bama. Brick and Spoon is probably the best brunch spot in T-Town. Taco Casa is the nasty taco spot you're referring to earlier, Bobby. Anybody who eats that can't be trusted in life. Um, thank you for that information. Uh, I, 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 I'm not familiar with eateries in Tuscaloosa. We've had I, need, this, I need this super chat. I think this is a question. This is. This is a, a, a spillover from something Bobby and I had a couple days ago about people asking about the places to eat in Alabama. And Bobby listed off, I think, a couple places. You're like, man, I know this, this, and this. And people started coming in with, whoa, 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 Bobby. 
how long has it been? <laughs> so I think that JAR is trying to catch us up. That gives me an idea. The week of the Alabama, we're going to have an eating breakdown, Tuscaloosa <laughs> eating breakdown show, and we'll get everybody to come in and give their uh, best suggestions before everybody heads to Tuscaloosa. How about that? Uh, but thank yeah. you for that super chat. Um, Bobby, Taco I, I know- is horrible. So I, <laughs> y'all can I, – I, I tried that like for – like I'm not a shy eater, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I tried that for about a half second, and it was worse than Taco Bell. Hey, I'm gonna. No. Go if you're gonna eat Mexican food, don't eat chain Mexican food. Well, that's the key in I'm life. Out. Hey, Justin, at two, I, at two a.m., you sometimes you don't have a choice. Okay. Yeah, we were <laughs> Whataburger is four. I am and Taco Bueno's closed. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, all right. So hey. Last thing I want I I want to say here is talk to somebody a little bit about Bama quarterback situation. They're predicting Ty Simpson, by the way. They're predicting oh, Ty uh, sophomore. Yeah, uh, Richard wow. Washington out of Tennessee. Even after Buckner coming in, that's a prediction. We'll see if that it actually ends up being true. But the person who told me that's probably got a pretty decent read on it right now. Uh, what was so, he as a prospect, Jerry? He was a five-star prospect, good baseball player, a little bit of a long arm, but really good feet. Um, saw him a lot uh, 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 over the years. Uh, really solid prospect. I think uh, he's got really good feet is what he's got. He's got that body quickness, that reactive quickness out of his peripheral. He's got to tighten his motion up a little bit. Um, and coming from Tennessee, I, obviously, Bobby, you live there. He's had to make a big jump yeah. in competition. How, in functional, how functional of a runner is he? I think he is – I would say I, I think he can make plays with his feet. It's more extended. But he doesn't play. want to make extending plays. If you, he may be able to get four on third and three, but you're not going to sit there and do any really quarterback run game stuff. So I would bet we see two quarterbacks against Texas, Jalen hey, Milrow. That's it, but, right there. But I just think Ty's ahead uh, as a as a passer right now. Yeah, I want to have you Butler would, in. Do you stunt the growth of Simpson? Well, here's the crazy thing: you're not going to rotate three quarterbacks, so they're going to have to make it. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, I, I, I'm interested to see Justin and Jerry um, uh, as it relates to to that. What Alabama really wants to do on offense? Yeah, I mean because they have I to run that, the ball. I know they have to run the ball. Is Simpson better at play action? Maybe though, and that helps them. Um, because I think Jalen Milrow, if you're just going to line up and run the ball, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better runner than yeah. him out of yeah. anybody. Um, so maybe uh, maybe Tommy Reese in his first year as offense coordinator at Alabama is still trying to feel his way a little bit because he's never seen – I will say this about Tommy Reese. Notre Dame has played a national schedule, right? Yeah. But they also get the Navies, the Air Force, and some of those – Midweek or mid-year. After the first, I mean, while Alabama plays Texas in the second game, all their other games in the non-conference are cakewalks. But they start their SEC schedule off, and that's a different animal than the Notre Dame schedule. Tommy Tommy Reese hasn't been through that, so uh, I'm sure Nick Saban obviously has and done very well. But interesting to see how the Alabama play caller deals with that. A couple of things. We've had some more recruiting questions. We're going to have some more recruiting stuff. We're going to let Bobby uh, uh, go here in a second, but uh, here's what I want to say too, about the Bama. We something else to consider with this whole quarterback decision is if you have a run quarterback, that's run game heavy, that leaves questions to be answered in recruiting. 
that you don't necessarily want to. They have two five-star receivers committed in 2025. It's an interesting spot Coach Saban's in this year. It, it, I don't think that's ideally where they want to go with Milrow based on what I was told yesterday. They, they're they worried, I think, about the impacts outside of that in recruiting and the way a perception is when you already are not any longer the number one program in the country. So we'll see what happens. But, hey, Bobby, thank you for jumping in um, and giving a latest on the team. And uh, Justin and I, we're going to get back in the recruiting because we have – we're got. He adjusted it segue perfectly in the Wardell Mac. We're going to talk Wardell Mac. We're going to take offensive line, and we're going to end with more edge talk here before Justin and I get out of here and hit the road. So thank you very much, Bobby, for joining us. And we have a live stream tonight at 7 uh, that me and, and myself and you will be on, and, and as well as Blake Monroe. Uh, so we'll be back again tonight at 7 uh, to talk team recruiting, everything else. But thank you very much, Bobby. Yeah, good to see you guys. Good seeing you, good Justin. Good to see you, Bobby. All right. Bye. Later, buddy. All right, Justin, here's going. Listen, Chris Harrington has a good question before we segue back into okay. get back in the Wardell Mac. Chris Harrington asks, I and I love this question. Okay. I'm curious how you guys view the college football game change, not stopping the clock after first down. Is this an advantage for the horns? Oh, so I think this is very interesting. And I and I know everybody says, well, Sark coached in the NFL, so he's used to this. Or these guys coaching college, they're used to this. But there's still an element of they got to see how this plays out. Um, I think especially the first year, especially the first year. I think a couple of things come to mind immediately for me is it's going to be harder to come back late in games. If you, if you're down a couple of scores, right. It's harder. Especially if the other team can run. That's it. Well, that's the whole thing. I had a college, a a power five assistant. I was talking to Saturday, not at Texas Um, power five assistant. I've known for 20 years. We're talking Saturday. And he said, Everybody's saying it, you're going to lose a possession on average a game. He said, if you face a team that can really run the ball, you could lose two offensive possessions against that opponent. He said, so stopping the run has never been more important defensively. Yeah. Uh, he, he said, it's never been more important defensively, and at least in their meetings, because if you play a team that can run the ball and you're an offensive team and that you're used to going fast, and that's the game you play, he said you're going to lose two possessions. And that's I can also see an uptick in tempo, yeah. which is already a fad anyway. We see it with a lot of teams. A lot of programs do it now. It reminded me of the old 90s Buffalo Bills, you know, machine gun Jim Kelly type, uh, no huddle stuff. I think you're going to see more of that, more tempo, which we already see a lot of it. But you made the point. If, if you're playing a team that can run the ball effectively, you might lose one or two possessions. And in this game, in this day and age, buddy, every one of those plays matters. And, and I think that's kind of what Bobby is getting into with the Bama game. He thinks control the clock, use your defense to your advantage if you're Nick Saban, because you don't have four first-rounders at wideout. You don't have that same offensive talent. You don't have two at quarterback or Matt Jones or – Bryce Young, you're breaking a new quarterback. So it, it somewhere, whoever's starting at quarterback is going to be a first-year starter. Uh, so that's something to watch from Alabama game plan perspective. It doesn't maybe carry as much weight the rest of the season. All right, Justin, back in the recruiting, Wardell Mack. Wardell we've, Mack. We've hit on Colin Simmons, Ryan Wingo, Kobe Black, Dominic McKinley, TJ Lindsay. Now to Wardell Mack. Another guy that we think is going to make a decision maybe this month or early in the season, early in a senior season. We're waiting to see. Look, just keep following these trends, guys. We talked about Colin Simmons moving his data before his senior season. 
We talked about Dom, Dom, Dominant McKinley inside Texas. We broke that news three weeks ago that he was likely going to move it up. And there's multiple reasons for this, but I'll tell you one from a parent angle. The recruiting process is tiring for them too, and they want to put their kid to be protected against injury. So just think about that in terms of how this recruiting process continues to change with NIL at play um, as well. So Wardell Mack did not go to LSU July 27th. We've been over that. He went to Florida for a couple of days. I was at Marrero, John Eric High in Marrero, uh, July 13th, same day Melvin Hills committed to Texas. And, and I could tell from talking to Wardell, he likes Florida quite a bit. Jabbar Jalut, Corey Raymond, Billy Napier, three guys that – can recruit in the state of Louisiana, obviously. Yes. Um, it seems like Jabbar Jaluk and Billy Napier are more involved in this recruitment, and maybe even Corey Raymond is, which is interesting. Uh, Florida's got one co- corner committed, a couple other t- big-time targets on the board in state, so we'll see what happens there. I think from everything we hear, the parents like Texas. They really like that academic-athletic uh, combination at Texas. Not that they don't have it at Florida, but, you know, I think – the parents like the idea of Texas. I think Terry Joseph has done a really good job with the parents. And I think Wardell likes Texas. I'm not sure that I think Florida may be a little ahead or was a little ahead for Wardell at one point in time. But I think Texas impressed him on his official visit. And it'll be interesting on that one. I think Terry Joseph's done a great job there. Um, I can tell you that uh, Wardell Mack and the family are scheduled to talk to uh, Terry Joseph and Steve Sarkeesian either Wednesday or Thursday this week. So while Texas is into the season – Steve Sarkeesian and Bo Davis talked to Dominic McKinley and his family last week. They will again this week. These conversations are ongoing. The recruiting process doesn't stop, even though they're heavy in the practice, game planning, and all that stuff. Um, that these 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 calls are very key right now. And Sarkeesian and, and Terry Joseph will be talking to the Mac family uh, either tomorrow or Thursday. I believe it's Wednesday because that's the day off from practice this week for Texas and when the players are moving from dorm to dorm. You know, and here, th- that's the thing with Mac too. Is it reminds me of McKinley. I think there's a little. You know, obviously they're not packaged, but it feels like a, the both are kind of trending in the same sort of direction. Texas is is the is the consistent with both of them, and so I, I love that Texas wants to go into Louisiana and get a couple yeah. of their best players. I absolutely love that they have no fear to to do that. Um, and, and, but I do want to hit on one of these one of these questions. Yeah, uh, David, David Williams brought us a good point, and I want to hit on this. He says, Jerry and Justin, I always liked Selman Bridges. And I can tell you right now, I know David Williams loves some hype. He always loves Selman Bridges. The 6'4", being taller than Ryan Watts, faster than Ryan Watts, and more athletic than Ryan Watts, UT should still be recruiting him, correct? I'll take this one. Um, yes, UT is still recruiting him. I don't know how much. There's still contact there, but I, I don't know – to what extent that is, but is he taller than Ryan Watts? Yes. Is he faster? Eh, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit more athletic. No more physical. No. Ryan Watts is a big kid. We got to understand you're looking at a guy that almost looks like an outside linebacker and he still does have that athleticism on the Island. So a good question from David Williams, but I do think Texas and Selman Bridges still talk. I just don't know to what extent, because you always have to stay close with those contingencies. You never know how class is going to play out. We're talking about Wardell Mack. If, if Mack goes to Florida, does Texas come back to Bridges? You know, these are things we're always yeah. thinking about and talking about. So I, th- I thought that was a good question talking about Mack. 
One thing uh, I'll add in uh, on Wardell Mack before we head to offensive line is even if he commits to Texas, um, and I'm not saying he is, he's going to commit to Texas or Florida. Um, Let's say this scenario is he commits to Texas. Frank Wilson and LSU don't give up. Frank Wilson does not give up in in New Orleans. LSU has to win in New Orleans. So always keep that in mind. If up on I-20 in North Louisiana, a little different. In New Orleans – LSU doesn't let just let guys walk out of state. Those are real battles that will continue until December. So whether it's Texas or Florida, that recruitment's going to go on. And if he picks Florida, Texas will remain in it. I guarantee you that. We'll see what happens. And we'll see when he decides. Then there's also, we need to mention safety, Joshua Lair at Fort Ben Marshall. Yes. Um, I was out there about two and a half weeks ago. I think LSU was kind of, I always ask a lot of kids around, you know, on the team. I'm sure you do too, Justin. Just have a little fun with it. You know, hey, off the record, just give me a school. And they all said LSU for Josh there. We'll see on that. I think he's expected to decide before his senior season as well. Could be coming at any time. He's quiet. He ain't talking to anybody. Um, so, but it's it's LSU, Texas, and Baylor there. Um, all right, moving. Uh, first, D. Will. Uh, we have a super chat from D. Will 459 that we, we want to get to real quick. Um, I feel like fans of Texas recruiting should be prepared for a large number of second place finishes and the signing of a solid but not game changing class. Do you agree with this trend in 2024 um, recruiting? Not necessarily. Um, and here's why because this staff stays on top targets. Um, they've signed back to back top five classes. You don't do that without staying in recruitments, even when you're behind or even if somebody else commits other uh, somewhere else. So I think, look, I think Texas will sign a third straight top 10 class. I've, this is what I've said the whole time. I think they'll sign a third straight top 10 class. At that point, whether they're ranked eight, nine, or 10, it, that, then it comes down to the five-star guys, right? I mean, that's what put, vaults you into the top five. Georgia's going to have the number one class. Ohio State's going to be two. They're spoken for. So three, four, and five are open. Right. So it's going to come down to Colin Simmons, Brandon Baker, Kobe Black, Ryan Wingo, Dominic McKinley. If you win a couple of those, you have a chance to be a top five class probably because of the people you're beating for those that are also in contention for a top five class. That's just the way recruiting rankings work. I mean, you know, that's they're That's in the cool. SEC, so should Texas fans be prepared for some second-place finishes? You better be. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this is the SEC. You're not going to win them all. Look, look, Ask I, Auburn how many times they finished with a second-place finish. Ask Florida State how many times they finished with a second-place finish. No and now they're one of the hottest teams in the, in the country. And here's the thing. Here's the thing to remember. Let's just take D-line in the future years. If you want to sign four defensive linemen and you're recruiting Texas through Florida for those guys, you're essentially got to recruit 15 to get four good ones, four you want. It's not really eight. Eight will officially visit, but you got to recruit 15, 16 guys. That's how difficult it is to get those guys in the SEC at defensive line. They are the premium. There are real battles for those guys. Yeah. Uh, moving on, we want to hit – we got just a few minutes left for Justin and I. Thank you again to Chase Yarbrough of Goosehead Insurance for being – um, the sponsor of the recruiting breakdown. Um, offensive line, I'll hit on this real quick, then I'll let you hit on the edge and we'll get out of here. We both got to get out of here and go watch a little football, I believe. Um, Brandon Baker, Texas, Ohio State, Oregon. People have asked how much does Oregon's move to the Big Ten help Oregon? It helps Oregon because but before they couldn't even say where they're going to be playing. So naturally it helps them. This right. recruitment is now coming down to SEC or Big Ten schools. 
for Brandon Baker. He visited Georgia. He's not going there. He visited Texas. Um, he visited Ohio State. He scheduled to visit Nebraska September 16th. Texas is working to get him back in September 30th. That's when DeAndre Carter, his four-star uh, teammate at Modern Day, the guard, is scheduled to visit Texas. So we'll see if Brandon Baker gets back in. I would expect him back on Oregon's campus maybe. But he did not go there the last weekend in July, which was interesting to me. Uh, but it's headed to an SEC Big Ten showdown for Brandon Baker, barring a major change. Uh, DeAndre Carter looks like an SEC versus Pac. Um, it's not Pac. It's Big Ten battle. Now, there is no Pac. Uh, it's a Pac-4. Um there are no battles in the Pac-4. Um, Man. So it's Auburn. Auburn <laughs> I wake up and the conference is just gone. Gone. It's Auburn, <laughs> Texas, uh, really the top two, I believe, for DeAndre Carter. Michigan State's fighting. And we'll see if a USC or UCLA actually is in there at the end of the day. Then Blake Ivey, Clear Springs, a four-star interior offensive lineman. I still think AM's the pick over LSU and Texas there now. He has a lot of family in Louisiana, and I know that's making AM a little nervous because there's a lot of ties in Louisiana. Uh, I, he's still communicating Blake Ivey is with Texas. He has not told them he's not coming. He has not told them a date he's committing. I think that's before his senior season. I just think Texas is they, – they had a little bit too much to make up there. But Daniel yeah. Cruz, Kyle Flood, Sarkeesian, they're giving it their best shot. Uh, Justin, I'll let you, let you take edge before we get out of here. And, again, before we get out of here, a reminder, guys, if you didn't get your questions answered today, we'll be on for an hour, hour and 20 minutes tonight, our Tuesday live stream. Keep coming in, firing the questions. I'll pull more of them out today, uh, tonight, and get to all you guys' questions. So please don't stop asking questions. Ask more questions. Alabama's get taken behind the woodshed. Hide and watch. Thank you, UT boy. Um, and I'm sure uh, John Tay Cook will have a hand in that one. Uh, Justin, I'll let, you, I'll let you take edge. I'm going to hit on one guy first, and I'll let you take Danny. Yeah, and you, you grab Solomon Williams, oh, and I'll so take the other Solomon two. Williams from Carrollwood Day out of Tampa, four-star uh, – Edge prospect had 15 and a half sacks, 6'2 and a quarter, about 250 on his unofficial visit to Texas, July 27th, 28th. I exchanged messages with him yesterday. He's still talking to Texas. He's expected to officially visit in the fall. I think that's September 17th, September 30th home games or what's being talked about. He will be in Tuscaloosa September 9th for the Texas game. Uh, he visited Alabama officially in June. Uh, he'll also get out and see Oregon, which I know he really likes. And that helps Oregon go into the Big Ten because I think without that move, Oregon wasn't going to be in the picture for Solomon. And he'll officially visit Texas A&M in the fall as well. But Texas is in that one. Justin, I turn it over to you, Danny Okoye, Zena. Yeah, let's start with Danny Okoye. Uh, he's one that I think he's gonna, you're going to see him take a few, of these, few more of these visits this season. Listen, he only took one official in the summer, so – he knows he has more official visits to take, and, and, and I think you're going to see him in different places. I wouldn't be surprised if he pops up in LSU again. I wouldn't be surprised if he pops up at Tennessee again. Alabama made a pretty strong impression on him when he went through there last week. I think that's a factor. Oklahoma's always going to be in the mix. It's They're so hot and cold in this recruitment. It's really hard to – to get an, an accurate read because it feels like some people feel like OU is the team to beat and others feel like there's no way he's going to OU. So it's a real weird thing. I do know that Texas still wants to get him back on campus. Danny had told me he, he's interested in coming to the Texas OU game in October in Dallas. He wants to see that. Uh, he wants to get back to Texas. He loved it. That was a place that he always wanted to see. He still talks to coach PK and those guys all the time. And so, from an edge position, we know the number one priority is Colin Simmons. We know that's where it begins. 
middle ends, but you got you got to fill in the rest of them. And I think Akoya is a fantastic kid. One of the most, I mean, he's highly rated, but God, Jerry, there's so many intangibles that guy has. It's it's crazy not to fall in love with him. And then Zena Umiazulu, we spoke about this, Bobby and I did yesterday. You know, Zena's kind of in that in-between stage, in my opinion. You and I had mentioned, I think Texas is the leader versus the field, but I also feel like that's going to be dictated off how much his brother Neto potentially plays in 2023, because if he doesn't find any spots in the rotation, I don't know if Zena's family wants to send another kid to Texas and, and possibly get back into that. Zena wants to play early. And we both know Neto's going to play a lot this year. So I think Neto is going to play a lot. That's going to be the that, That's a key, man. That's And it's only natural. Zena attended more games last year than any recruit in the 24 class. Obviously, he's going to see his brother, but that's, that's, he wants to see that. They, they want to continue that. They love Texas. That family loves Texas. They love the direction everything is going. And so I still feel like Zena's the guy that, look, OU is making a dent here. Texas A&M is trying to make a dent here. He even is talking about making visits to Oregon and potentially Alabama this fall. And so, and, and with Zena, you never know. He, he might want to take some of those trips. I think you'll see him in Austin more than you will those other places, though. I and agree so with that. that, to me, is where it's going to come down to. There was a point. This summer, we thought we could see a commitment, possibly late late June, that. early July. You remember, we thought it was coming down. There were some sources close to the program thought the same thing. Zena kind of slowed it down. Right now, he's in the middle. He's beginning his fall camp at Allen at middle linebacker, which is going to be a completely different thing for him at 6'4", 225, 230 pounds. But Zena's a really good kid. The Omezula boys are really good guys. And so I, I like Texas against the field right now, but there's a lot of things that need to play out before I think we see finality. And again, we'll talk more about Colin Simmons and recruiting tonight, a Texas football team. We're going to end with this one. Who are the five most indispensable players Texas cannot afford to lose to injury off the field issues this season? That question was asked early, and I've kind of saved it. And so I'm going to I'm going to bring this out, Justin. We'll see if you add somebody into it. Obviously, it's your returning quarterback who has experience. Everybody knows that no matter what you think of Malik or Arch, they have never thrown a pass in college football. So if Quinn Ewers sprained his ankle in third quarter against Rice, that's not good for Bama. Um, you can't lose the quarterback. Jalen Ford is the defensive Big 12 player of the year preseason. You cannot lose him. Um, I have Kelvin Banks at left tackle. Is a pretty easy third for us. I have Jatavion Sanders fourth at tight end because Gunnar Helm's a good player. Jatavion Sanders is a first, second round type pick at tight end who can stretch the field. And it goes into he's a difference maker. Defensive, go, defensive coordinators pay attention to JTS. Exactly. I'm going to throw up my fifth based on what Steve Sarkeesian said in his press conference. It's Jalen Catalan. Because the fact that they're going green jersey one day, contact the next. And when at, the effusive praise of Jalen Catalan, I think he's seen as a difference maker addition to this defense. Am I missing anybody for you? Your top four were simpatico. We're right there. I, I, I And you know I'm a big fan of Jalen Catalan. And, and if that shoulder is attached, he is a heat-seeking missile. I, I think Catalan is a great one. But right now, for this offense to flourish, they have to get vertical. And the guy that's going to do that is A.D. Mitchell. That's a good call. It's a good and, call. And, and, and if we would have had this last this list last year, Isaiah Nayor 
would have been near the top of the list as well. And so I agree with what one through four, you nailed it, but I, I got to switch it out on Catalan. I like because it. He's also got Jared Thompson back there. He's got a, he's got a, a freaking Velociraptor behind him, chomping at the bit to get playing time in Derek Williams. He's got Keaton Crawford, who's got experience and athleticism back there. So Catalan, I do feel like is important. No, no question. And he's so good in the locker room. That yeah. was a big thing with Catalan is people don't understand. He handles this like a business. Oh, Art mentioned that, and that's what kind of took him a little bit higher for me. Not only the player, but he said he's been a great addition to our team. Yeah, That's not something you hear that from transfers that uh, that often because that's more of a leadership type of thing in a locker room. Uh, somebody mentioned Baron Sorrell that he probably would be right there for if we're naming seven, six, seven. I mean, he's the top edge prospect. Uh, but again, guys, we got to get out of here. Justin Wells is headed to Waco Collie, see Kobe Black. I'm gonna head somewhere, but I'm gonna give it the old Brian Carrington for now. Uh, we'll talk about it tonight. Uh, again. For Justin Wells, uh, this, is, this has been the recruiting breakdown. We'll talk to you again tonight at 7 p.m. And Bobby Burton, myself, Blake Monroe will be here tonight. Thank you for all the questions. Thank you guys for the super chats. Those are greatly appreciated. If you didn't get your question answered, bring it tonight at 7 8. We'll answer your questions. You guys have a great day. And thank you for joining the recruiting breakdown.